Thanks, Mark. Thanks for leading us. Can you guys hear me okay? I think last week we had some audio trubs. All right, looking good. <clears throat> Hello, good morning. Um, today is my first official Sunday as your newly called pastor, and that's really exciting, and I'm really grateful. Um, <clears throat> this morning, I want to start something, uh, a, a new series. I want to start something new. I know you guys um, have heard from great preachers from all over the world, um, but each Sunday, for the most part, since Jared has left, has been something totally different, uh, skipping around, and that's really great for a season, um, but I know that that can be tiring. It feels like Sunday to Sunday is disconnected, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to start uh, a long series uh, on the life of Abraham. We're going to go like almost all the way until Christmas um, studying Abraham's life. Um, before I go any further, let me just say this. This morning, I want to try something new, um, but I think it'll be fun, especially help uh, our kids um, or maybe our uh, uh, creatively minded grown-ups uh, to follow along. So before we go any further, I want to invite kids, or maybe if you need your parents' help, grab a big a piece of paper and something to draw with. We're going to do some drawing this morning during the sermon. So uh, kids, if you would, or if you need mom and dad to help you, that's awesome. Right now, go get some paper and something to draw with, maybe markers or crayons or something like that. <clears throat> All right. This morning, I want to do start this series on Abraham. And, you know, Abraham is a really important person in the storyline of the Bible, but he's so often overlooked. So often Abraham is just the subject matter for kind of Bible story time. Uh, and we just kind of view his life as a story that we need to tell. But the real important stuff in the Bible is later on. Uh, but I've been doing a study on Abraham's life throughout this summer, and I've studied and read and heard the story of Abraham's life my whole life um, for 37 years now, and I am still discovering new things. There is so much in Abraham's life for us today, and I, wanna, I want us as a church uh, here in the this period of our, our new relationship between me and you together for us to take some time to look at Abraham's life. Um, Abraham, almost a fourth of Genesis is dedicated to Abraham's life, a huge chunk. And he is mentioned, uh, believe it or not, 71 times in the New Testament. His name is dropped 71 times in the New Testament. There's a lot for us here. So that's what I want to do. Um, if you have your Bible or you're using your worship guide, let's read the text for today. And um, kids, you get your paper and your pen, and we're gonna get we're gonna get going. So let's let's read from the text. We'll start with Genesis 11:27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah, 
in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whom who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, and Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, Lord, you are eternal. You are spirit. And we are finite. And we are physical human beings. Uh, it's amazing that you speak to us, and that we can hear. And we know that ultimately... You, being eternal in spirit, have broken into the finite, become a human being in Jesus. You have broken into our time and space to get our attention, to cause us to look upon Christ and to see you in all of your glory. God, you've given us this story, this long, epic journey, the life of Abram, Abraham. I pray that today as we start out, that we would learn who you are and who we are as we study this man's life before you. God, I pray that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right. So, what's so special about the life of Abraham? Abram. He's called Abram for like the first half of his story. Um, so let's try to call him Abram. That's his name right now. What's so special about Abram who becomes Abraham? Well, <clears throat> does anybody 
remember the first time that you danced with somebody else? Your intro dance? Do you know what an intro dance is? Uh, many of us have done this. If you haven't done it, you've probably seen this on TV or seen other people do it. An intro dance is the thing that happens when somebody comes up to you at a wedding reception or maybe at a maybe like a middle school dance when you're younger or maybe kids and parents kids parents love to do intro dances with their kids so if you haven't done this with your parents maybe you should ask them later today an intro dance is when somebody comes up and they say may i have this dance and you say oh i'm not a dancer i don't know how to dance and they say no come on come on let me show you how to do it and you say oh okay so then you go out on the dance floor or in the living room or wherever you are and the person who asks the person who knows how to dance says okay stand here uh, you know spread your feet out a little bit stand up straight um, uh, you guys might see how bad of a dancer i am i'm telling you this but put one hand here put the other hand here now take a deep breath okay now move with me left foot right foot and you move piece by piece no don't, don't look at the ground look at me intro dance uh, Many of us have done this. In fact, even though I danced a little bit before, uh, my real intro dance actually took place on Becca and I's wedding day during the bride and groom dance. Uh, it was time for the bride and groom dance. We go out on the dance floor, everybody gathers around and the song starts. And uh, all of a sudden Becca goes, I, 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 I'm caught up in the moment and I hear Becca go, Charlie, Charlie, and I said, oh, what? She said, you're, you're not moving, dance with me. And I said, no, I'm dancing. She said, look at your feet. And I looked down and my feet were not moving. <laughs> and she said, you need to move. This is the moment, dance with me. And I said, I, I didn't know I wasn't dancing. I, I, I'm kind of caught in them. And she said, okay, let's move your left foot. Now breathe, don't look down, move your right foot. And she intro danced with me. Intro dance. Okay, now we all know what it is. The reason Abraham's life, Abram's life, is so vitally important is because his life serves as a kind of intro dance between God and God's people. It's during the life of Abraham that God called us as his people to dance with him, so to speak. And in the stages and in the little episodes in his life journey, we see God explaining to Abraham, walking Abraham through how to dance with him piece by piece. We, Abraham is the first person uh, that God, God calls Abraham as his covenant people and Abraham's descendants would be God's covenant people. It says in Romans and, and also in Galatians that Abraham is the father of all who believe. That means if you have your faith is in Jesus Christ, Abraham is your father. And our relationship with God today, the way we interact with him, the way we dance with him, if you will, we look, go back and we see, we learn how to do that through Abraham's life. So kids, if you have your paper and your pencil or pen or crayons or whatever, right in the middle of the page, and 
make it kind of small because we're going to draw a bunch of stuff around it. Draw a picture of Abraham dancing. Uh, however you would like, use your creative license right in the middle of the page. Picture of Abraham, or whatever you think he looks like, dancing. Abraham's life is the intro dance. But as we all know, dancing, when you dance with somebody, it's not really about you. If you're really dancing, you're dancing well. Your attention is not on yourself. Your attention is on your partner. Dancing is all about the other person. So as we study Abram's life, Abraham's life, every single week, I want to ask the question, who is Abraham's God in this passage? We can learn all about Abraham. We can study his life piece by piece, memorize it, and we can even try to be just like him. But we would be no better off if we don't learn the lesson that God was teaching Abraham, which was to see God and to focus on him. The big question when we study Abraham's life is, who is Abraham's God? So that's going to be the focus of our series. Each week, we're going to take a different episode in Abraham's life, almost all the way to Christmas. And each week, we'll ask the question, who is Abraham's God? So let's get started. Today, the big question in this passage is, who is Abraham's God? And I have three things from the text that I want to point out to you. First, and if you're a sermon note taker, uh, you're going to like today because we have three points to write down and they all alliterate. So alliteration and three things. This is a classic, classic, well, we'll just, this is classic. All right, here we go. First thing. Abraham's God is a God who calls. Abraham's God is a God who calls. Kids, if you have your little paper, you have, you're working on your picture of Abraham in the middle. From the top of the page down, however you want to interpret this, draw a picture of a voice calling to Abraham. If you want to maybe draw some sound waves or music notes or a speaker, however you want to do that, a voice from off the page up in heaven calling down to Abraham. Oh, and by the way, kids, when you're all done with your picture, if it's okay with your parents and you want to share it, feel free to email it to me, charlie at hopeportland.org. I would love to see what you've done. Okay. Abraham's God is a God who calls. Look at the text. Look at chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, in the Hebrew, and maybe in, if you have various translations it says the lord had said this is like past tense the lord had said to abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that i will show you and i will make you a great nation i will bless you and make your name great so you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you i will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed Abraham, Abram grew up in a place way east, so I guess for you guys it would be over here, way east in Mesopotamia. This Mesopotamia was like the bed of civilization at this time. Abraham lived about as far before the coming of Christ as we live after, so this was just maybe around 2000 BC. At that time, civilization was mostly gathered around Mesopotamia. And on the far east of Mesopotamia, if you remember, after 
Uh, the people left the Garden of Eden. They were traveling east. Well, civilization kept going east, and the Far East was a major center of civilization. There was a city there called Ur of the Chaldeans. That whole region we know today and throughout scripture as the region of Babel or Babylon. And Abram grew up in the land of Babylon. And he grew up 75 years living in Babylon. And then one day God calls him to leave and to go west to the land of Canaan. This is, there's a lot here that we could glean. Let me just point out a few things. We're in Genesis, the end of Genesis 11, beginning of Genesis 12. Where at the beginning of Genesis 11, there's a story about something significant that happened in Babylon. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. In that story, the civilization of the world was gathered around the eastern plain of Mesopotamia, and the people got together, and they decided that they were going to build a tower that reached to the heavens, and they start building this tower, and God sees what they're doing, and God sees that if these people continue, uh, they can really achieve anything, and it's very dangerous because the people's hearts had been turned away from God. And in trying to achieve greatness and spiritual enlightenment by building this tower, the people were moving further and further and further and further away from God and further into a narcissistic, self-absorbed state. The people in Babylon were doing great things. And they were doing great things with their hearts turned away from God which means that there were great things that would end up ruining them and ruining the world. So God sees this happening and he decides that he's going to do something gracious to the people. He confuses their language. So they can't understand each other and the work ceases and they scatter across the world as different nations. Well, that happens at the beginning of Genesis 11, that story. And then we have a genealogy. And at the end of Genesis 11, we find this family with uh, Terah and his sons. And one of his sons is Abraham living in Babylon in Ur of the Chaldeans. He was 75. He was, his house was paid off. He was retired from his job. He's drawing social security. He's ready to sit back and enjoy the rest of his days. And God interrupts his life with the call. Abram, leave your family, leave your kindred, leave your friends, leave your life, leave Ur of the Chaldeans, leave Babylon and follow me to the land I will show you, the land of Canaan and I will make you a blessing. Abraham's God is a God who calls. I really believe that God want, wanted Abram to know that the secret to life was not doing something great to ascend to the heavens, was not working with other people in order to build a lasting legacy so that you could be known and that your life can mean something and you can be significant. That's not the secret to life. The secret to life is receiving God's call and following him into blessing. God called Abram out of a place where he was established, where he was rooted, 
God called Abram out of a place where civilization had flourished, where the people were building a great society. And God says, come on, out. And God calls Abraham into a place where he had no influence, no equity, no family ties, but only a promise from God. In Babylonia, it was a place where the people tried to reach to the heavens. And God calls Abram out of that place to a place where God was reaching earth. Kids, on your picture, uh, you have Abram, uh, and then you have maybe something that symbolizes a voice from heaven. If you could, draw a road around Abram, a road going from the east side of your paper, <laughs> the right side of your paper, to the west side of your paper, the left side of your paper. So if you're, here's your paper, you got Abraham, uh, draw a road. And over here, draw a picture of Babylon. And over here, draw a picture of Canaan. And if you need something to symbolize Babylon, maybe a tower reaching to the heavens. And if you need something to symbolize Canaan, maybe a giant question mark, because Abram didn't know what he was going to encounter there. We see God do this in Abram's life, and we see God do this all throughout Scripture. Call people out of the place where they feel secure, where they feel rooted, where they might feel safe, and call them into the unknown because God wants to bless them. Sometimes the biggest barriers between us and our the kind of relationship with God that we would ultimately desire or the kind of beautiful uh, dancing the communion with God that we desire. Sometimes the biggest obstacles between that and us are the things that make us feel rooted and comfortable and safe in our life. So very often God calls us into new places, new circumstances. He calls our church into a time of pandemic where we don't have a permanent meeting space. He calls us into seasons without a pastor. He lets us get shaken up a bit so that we can all those comfortable distractions would fade away and we could hear from him. And even more so, all of this is just an echo of the greatest calling that God has ever done in our lives. Calling us out of sin, calling us out of blindness, and calling us to trust him in Jesus. Abraham's God is a God who calls. That's who he is. Okay, the next thing. Abraham's God is not just a God who calls, he's a God who confirms. Abraham's God is a God who confirms. Abraham's God calls and he confirms. Let's look again at the text. Verse 4. So Abram went. By the way, let's just pause there. Isn't that beautiful? All this stuff has happened. God has called and then Three little words. So Abram went. Oh, how I want to be like that. I just want to respond when God calls. Okay, let's, uh, let's keep going. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot, remember that's his nephew, Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai's wife and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, 
And the people they had acquired in Haran, remember Haran was that halfway stopping point on the road. And they set out to the land of Canaan. And when they came to Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Moriah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. By the way, the Canaanites at this time were big, scary people. We know from other places uh, in the Pentateuch that they were considered giant clans. They were big and tall, and they were very dangerous, and they did scary things like human sacrifice and nasty things like these are big, scary people. So at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. God calls Abram. Abram goes. He enters the land where people already live. Big, scary, dangerous people. And he starts to walk around this land that God has promised to give him. And he's living in this unknown, unfamiliar place. And then God appears to him. It says twice in the text, God appears to him. Thus far in the Bible, we're 12 chapters in, thus far God has not appeared to anyone. According to the text, Abram is the first person, says God appears to them. And the Hebrew word therefore appear, it's a really strong word. It's the word ra'ah. And it doesn't mean like appear in a vision or appear uh, in some metaphorical way. No, it means a hard, visible appearance. It's the same word earlier in the chapter where God says to Abram, follow me to the land I will show you. The land I will ra'ah to you. So just as Abram saw the land of Canaan before him with his eyes, it says here that God appears to him. Abram sees God. Now, what does that mean? Well, I can't fully understand it. Neither can you. Lots of times in, in the Bible, it says people later, God tells Moses, if you, if you see my face, it'll kill you. So what does it mean that God shows himself to Abram? Well, great question, but we know he did. And the mystery around what that means, God ra'ah, showing himself, that should make us a bit uncomfortable, but also stir our imaginations in the mystery of all of this. When you're dancing with somebody, especially with an intro dance, the person showing you how to dance will often say things like, okay, now take a step to the left. And it's a little scary if you're a first time dancer. So you take a risk of moving your left leg. And the cool thing about an intro dance is you take that risk of movement and then you feel in your hands, the confirmation of the other person responding. Is that not how it works? With dancing, you take a risk of movement and you feel the confirmation of the other person moving with you. Well, notice here, God calls Abram to go to this land. Abram goes and then God responds by showing himself. Abram obeys. And then he encounters the Canaanites, big, strong, scary people. 
But then God appears to Abram. And the appearance of the Canaanites probably had a strong effect on Abram, seeing these giant, scary people. But then seeing God, that would have a stronger effect on Abram. And then God speaks and affirms his promise. To your offspring, I will give this land. So Abram sees the Canaanites, that's pretty strong, but then he sees God that's stronger, and then he hears God in this, while he's seeing him visibly, affirm his promise that's strongest. Do you see how the more God asks Abraham to risk, the more God confirms his promise by showing how big and how mighty he is. Do you see it? God doesn't just call Abram to make this move and then leave him alone. God calls Abram to make this move and then every step of the way confirms his promises and his presence to Abram. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus is the good shepherd and how in the ancient Near East, the shepherds didn't drive their sheep like we do today uh, with horses and dogs and things like that. They led their sheep. They walked with their sheep. And when a, when a lamb or a sheep would get caught up in a thicket, the shepherd themselves would work with the lamb and un, un, get them untangled. Shepherd would sleep there with the sheep. The shepherd would eat and live their whole life with the sheep. This is what we see God doing with Abram, confirming his presence. Now, I have never seen God, and I'm willing to bet God has never done ra'ah, show himself to anyone here. We don't, that's not a normal thing in the Christian life, to get a visible vision of God uh, confirming his promises. Well, do you know why God's not in the business of going around ra'ah-ing himself anymore? It's because he has already done ra'ah with us in the incarnation of Jesus. What God does here with Abram, give him a calling and then confirm that with an appearance, God has done in infinitely more measure with all of us, Abram's children, by putting a call on our life and then confirming it by stepping into our world physically, visibly, tangibly, in the person of Jesus Christ, to live, to carry out living God's law perfectly, to teach us the way of righteousness, to affirm our humanity, to affirm the value of our life. God is a God who calls us, and God is a God who confirms that call. And no greater has he ever confirmed the call than by appearing to us in Jesus. And we see that foreshadowed here in Abraham. Now, this is important for us today, especially here in the life of our church. Before I came to Hope, you guys told me the story. I remember hearing about it uh, from across the city when I was serving in another church, but I got the full story when I was finally interviewing. I remember you guys came to a place as a church, without a pastor, uh, without a permanent place to meet, here in the pandemic. Uh, it's a small group. 
and you guys as a church prayed and you felt like God was leading you to stay together, to remain a church, to be committed to one another, to call a new pastor, to stick it out, to follow God. And God confirms that call every single week in the worship when Christ is proclaimed, when his mission on our lives is reiterated. Now, we, many of us hear that true faith is blind faith. The faith that's honorable is taking a step into the dark. And you know what? That's just not true. True faith, Abraham faith, is faith that reflects trusting a God that doesn't just call us, but calls us and then walks with us every step of the way. Taking little steps with God's confirmation the whole time. You know, the key here for Abram on the road, dancing, leaving this place of security, going to a place where things are unknown, seeing God on the way. The key here is for Abram not to get caught up with his eyes on the big question mark of Canaan, not to get caught up being afraid of the giants but fix his eyes on the God who shows himself, the God who confirms. And today, there are a lot of places that we want to grow as a church. We want to grow in numbers. We want to grow in our ability to do this sustainably. We want to grow in our influence. We All these things that we want to do. But we need to not fix our eyes on Canaan. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Confirmation of God's call. kids if you would on your picture you have abram dancing on the road you have him dancing away from babylon dancing toward canaan with a big question mark i want to suggest maybe above canaan uh, let's use the symbol of a cross shows that abram even though canaan is unknown and scary god has confirmed his call on abram by Fixing Abram's eyes, really, on Jesus, the appearance of God in the flesh. Okay, Abraham's God. Who is Abraham's God? He's a God who calls. He's a God who confirms. And then we'll close with this. Abraham's God is a God who continues. He calls, he confirms, he continues. Look with me at verse 9. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. After all this, Abram, he journeys on, still going. God is not a one and done dancer. (laughs) He continues with Abram and he continues with us. This reminds me of one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite biblical promises, Philippians 1.6. Where the Apostle Paul says to this young, struggling church in Philippi, he says, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That's a radical promise. The God who began a good work in you, he will finish it. He will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus.
And we're going to spend the next few months walking with Abram as he continues responding to God's call, as he continues to receive confirmations from God that end up pointing his eyes toward the fulfillment of the promise, Jesus. And so as we do this, as your new pastor, I want to invite you to continue uh, with Abram on this journey. You say, Charlie, that sounds a little metaphorical. What are you talking about? Do you mean just keep coming to church and listening to the messages? Well, that might be a part of it. What I mean is let's embrace together walking through Abram's life piece by piece. I believe that what we see here over the coming weeks is that God is much bigger, much greater, much more worthy of our worship than we ever thought. And I believe that what we're going to see here is that our life's journey is much more significant than we ever thought. And God's greatness and the significance of our journey come together in the person of Jesus. And that's where we fix our eyes. So every week we'll start with the question, who is Abraham's God? And every week we'll end with the question, is this the God that you know? And I want to invite you to consider the God that you know, the God that you worship, the God that you're seeking after. Is he the God who calls? Is he the God who confirms? Is he the God who continues? That's the, that's the Lord of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the God of Abraham. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for this story. That uh, It's a perfect story, perfectly told for us today, for our life and salvation, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I pray that as we work through this in the coming weeks, that we will be changed by getting greater and greater, greater understanding of who you are, fixing our eyes on Jesus. In his name that we pray, amen.